You're listening to True Vine Church Community Podcast. We hope this message sparks and sustains revival with your relationship with Jesus. For more information about True Vine, visit truevinephiladelphia.com. This year, we are going to do a year-long sermon series called The Story of the Bible. So let me explain why we are doing that. Um, Partially during COVID, but mostly last year, it became evident that as a congregation, we needed to revisit some foundational truths in the Bible, like some of the key stories. It seemed like some of the key stories were missing in our collective understanding of the Bible, and it seemed like some key themes and terms maybe we couldn't, we didn't know, like we don't know what the word atonement means or something like that. So this year, we're going to focus on 30 key stories and 10 key themes in the Bible so that we can make sure that we've established our understanding of those concepts. And uh, we won't be doing this every single Sunday. There'll be a couple Sundays that we take off and preach something else for various holidays, or maybe there's certain things we need to address as a congregation. But as a whole, 30 key stories, 10 key themes. I didn't sit... Uh, I did not sit in my room with a can of beans for a a week in the darkness and plot this whole thing out, which is what I would like to have done. But I actually opened this up to a dozen people in our congregation to participate in the planning of this series, and many of them have preaching and teaching and educational requirements to prepare for this. So, I mean, this is not this this is a team project. In two weeks, Pastor John Eric will preach on the fall. Two weeks after that, Scott Newcomer, Elder Scott Newcomer will preach. You'll hear from some other people this year on some of these topics. John McManus is going to preach at some point. I didn't tell him when. I'm just banking on that he won't say no now that I've announced it. Um, So uh, you're going to hear from a couple different people this year because we're taking a team approach to this. This morning, I want to start off by telling you a few stories So, story time with Pastor Jim. These are some old stories. In fact, the first story that I want to tell you might be the oldest story in the history of humanity. And no, it's not the story of creation from Genesis 1. That story, of course, refers to the earliest events in history. The story that I want to start with is the oldest written story, meaning this story was written before Moses wrote Genesis. This story is called the Enuma Elish. It is the ancient Babylonian account of how the universe was created. Did you know that Israel was not the only people that had a story about how the world was created? Uh, Well, now you do. Okay. The Egyptians had their own version of the creation story. The Greeks had their own version of a creation story. So the one I'm, I'm going to tell you three, actually, before we get to the Bible, but I'm telling you that because I want you to understand the context that Genesis 1, John 1, and Colossians 1 uh, came from, so that this, I hope that by painting this picture, it clicks for you. So that Enuma Elish is an ancient Babylonian creation story. I don't believe it's true, I'm just... I'm not teaching it, I'm explaining it so that you understand the background. The Enuma Elish begins like this. In the beginning, there were, uh, the phrase is, undifferentiated waters, meaning there was a mixture of swirling waters, just swirling around. And over time, those waters began to separate to 
fresh water and salt water. Out of the fresh water emerged a god, a masculine god named Apsu. And out of the salt water emerged a feminine god named Tiamat. Apsu and Tiamat had children together, and they called them younger gods. Well, those younger gods grew up, and Apsu, the masculine, the dad, realized these younger gods are really noisy and annoying, and I can't sleep at night, and I can't work during the day. And Apsu decided that he was going to kill the younger gods. His partner, Tiamat, did not like this, and so she told one of the younger gods, Enki, that their father was planning to kill them. So before Apsu, the father, could kill Enki and the rest of the kids, Enki killed Apsu. Well, Tiamat was not happy about this, and she waged war against her own kids. And those younger gods, one of them rose up, and his name was Marduk. Marduk killed Tiamat, his own mother, by shooting her in the head with a bow and arrow. You guys are looking at me. This is not a true story. Okay. Marduk killed Tiamat by shooting her in the head with a bow and arrow. And when water came out of her eyes, that formed the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. And that is what the ancient Babylonians of Abraham's day, that is how they believed the world was formed, and that is called the Enuma Elish, and that's how they thought the Tigris and the Euphrates came to be. It, that is an, that's an interesting story because the waters existed before the gods existed, right? So that means that the matter of the universe predates the divine beings in their view. There are multiple gods. They war against one another, there's a father-son conflict, uh, and uh, it, it's just, probably never heard that story before, right? A little wild. So that is probably, that is not what Abraham believed, but that is what Abraham's neighbors believed. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he would have heard in his culture as an explanation for where the universe came from. Well, Moses did not live in Abraham's day. Moses lived later, and you guys probably know because you saw the prince of Egypt that Moses grew up in Egypt. It's also in the Bible. I don't know if you know that, but um, (laughs) Moses grew up in Egypt. The Egyptians had a different explanation or a different story of how the universe came into being. They believed in eight gods called an Ogdod. We have a trinity. They had an Ogdod, eight gods, four male, four female. The four male gods were in the form of frogs. The four female gods were in the form of snakes. Now, just a side note, it's interesting to me that God, through Moses, demonstrated his power over serpents by making Moses' staff turn into a snake back and forth and a plague of frogs over the Nile. It's almost like Yahweh was like, I control your gods. This is nothing to me. Be gone. So that's a side note for another day. But so their belief was these four god, these eight gods paired up, essentially husband and wife, one masculine with one feminine. Each couple represented an aspect of the waters of the Nile River. One couple represented the depth, one couple represented the darkness, every couple represented something about the Nile River. 
These eight gods one day merged under the waters of the Nile River. When they merged, it forced a mound of earth to come up out of the Nile River in the shape of a cone, or some people would call it a pyramid. And out of the pyramid came a ball of fire, the sun, and that was the first sunrise, and that's how the world was created. And that is how the people that Moses grew up around would have believed the world came into being. Now, thousand years later, 1,500 years later, you have the time of the New Testament church. Let's just summarize it and say the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul grew up in Greece. You may have studied in seventh or eighth grade the Greco-Roman mythology. This is how they believed the world came into being, that out of the waters of the earth, so out of the waters of the earth came Mother Gaia. You might have even heard that name, Gaia. So just to be clear, this is three stories in a row where their God came out of water, okay? Mother Gaia emerged from the waters, and Mother Gaia, without the help of others, was produced offspring, six gods, what we were called the Titans, if you're familiar with that. One of those Titans was the god of time. His name is Cronus, and Cronus did have a father uh, who he castrated. And because Cronus had a conflict with his dad, when Cronus had a son named Zeus, Cronus expected Zeus to attack him, and it led to three generations of conflict between father gods and son gods. I share this because I want you to understand ancient Israel was not the only people that had a story about how the universe came into being. Ancient Israel was not the only people that, ha- that believed in a God. It's not like they were a bunch of atheists. They, all these other peoples, all these other groups, all these other nations had some explanation. So there are some common themes in, in every account that I just missed, uh, mentioned, which are the three that would have been like the context of the Bible. The world was chaotic and watery, In every theme, the gods emerged from chaos and perpetuated more chaos. There was conflict. Uh, Their gods were created beings who emerged from an existing world in chaos and conflict with one another. So that's the Babylonian, Egyptian, and Greek explanation for how the universe came into creation. Now I would like to read the biblical account and explain why this stands out. I'm going to read from Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, John 1, verses 1 through 5, and Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. So we're going to be a little bit all over the place, but I think you'll understand. You can follow this along here. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Can you repeat that after me? Let there be light. And there was light. That's the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. What were the first three words of the Bible? In the beginning. Okay, great. Go to John chapter 1. So that's the first three words of Moses. Here are the first three words of John. 
In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So we're talking about creation. I mean, it's painfully obvious. When John starts with, in the beginning, he's trying to get us to think of Genesis 1. He uses the same three words, and we are talking about creation. All things came into being through him, the word, that is Jesus, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has not, uh, sorry, that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And what did God say? Let there be light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. So Moses writes, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. John elaborates or comments on that by saying, yes, in the beginning, God created, and Jesus was with the Father. He was with God, and he was God. Jesus was at creation. If you're not convinced from that, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. This is verses 16 and 17. For by him, referring to Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this is what I want you to grasp today about creation. You're going to notice I'm not going to spend any time on how long it took. Six days or six billion years. I think that that's a relevant question. I think that that's an interesting question. I've, done my own, I've come to my own conclusions on it. My conclusions are pretty traditional. But that's not... I don't think that's what Moses, John, or Paul were trying to communicate. This is what I think they want us to understand. The universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus. To me, that's more important than whether it took six days or billions of years. They're answering the question, who created the world, how they created it, and through whom they created it. So, as I said, Israel's not the only people with a creation story. They're just like everybody else. Israel is not the only people who believed in a God. They're just like everybody else. Here's what Israel had that nobody else had. A God that always existed. A God with no beginning. Here's what Israel had that nobody else had. A God who didn't fight with his son, but a God who through his son created the world. And they didn't fight over it afterwards. This is what makes the creation account of the Bible unique from the thousands of other stories about how the world came into being is that our God has always existed and that he created the world in loving union and cooperation with his son, not in conflict with his son or his children or his progeny. $10 word. So... 
the universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus. So I want to just show you where I get that sentence from because that's the summary that I want you to understand. The universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus. Um, created by God, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to look at these same three passages, but I want to show you where this sentence comes from. Who created the earth? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was created by God. So unlike the Babylonians, unlike the Egyptians, unlike the Greeks, our God did not come out of water. He created water. In the beginning was God. He created the waters. The waters did not create him, unlike all the other views. He created the waters. Apsu and Tiamat came out of the waters. The Egyptian Ogdod came out of the waters. Greek Mother Gaia came out of the waters. What does it say here? The Spirit of God was over the surface of the waters. He didn't come out of it. He oversaw it. He hovered. He brooded, however you want to say it. He was over the waters, not in the waters. God created the waters. The waters didn't create God. The earth had a beginning. God does not have a beginning, which is unlike the other views, which is the earth has always been here. Our God has a beginning. We are saying, no, 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 no. Our God has always been here. The earth has a beginning. He created the earth. The earth, the earth is a product of God. God is not a product of the earth. Does that make sense? That's a difference, right? In all the stories that I gave you, that's, a, that's a unique. The God that created the earth, according to scripture, has a name, and it is Yahweh. I think we don't always use that name here um, but that is the name of the God of the Bible, Yahweh. That is his covenant name that he gave for his people to use, Yahweh. God's name is not God, just like my name is not pastor, or my name is not dad, or my name is not boo, as my wife calls me, <laughs> or hot stuff, or whatever, you know. So those are titles, but my name is James. Put some respect on it. God's name is Yahweh. Yahweh means the existing one. So if you asked a, an ancient Hebrew, which God do you worship? Because there was thousands and, you know, to pick from. Which God do you worship? Oh, the existing one. Because all the others don't. I just worship the, you know, the real one, the existing one, the true one. That's the God that I worship Yahweh, the existing one. Yahweh, I love this about Yahweh. No one gave him that name. He gave it to us for him. That's called self-revelation. My name was given to me by my parents. Your name might probably, likely, was given to you by your parents. No one gave Yahweh a name. There was no one before him. So when Yahweh told us his name, he revealed it to us. We didn't make it up, he told us. That's why when Moses said, when, when Moses was talking to God in the burning bush, Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? <laughs> Do you remember what God said? Tell them I am sent you. God's just like, I am, I is, I are, I was, I were, I be. 
I just always have been. I'm the existing one. I didn't start. I won't end. I was, I am, I am to come. That, that, that's just something about God is he just always has been. He was not created. He's the creator, not a creation. That's different from these other stories that Abraham and Moses and Paul would have heard growing up and, and uh, interacting with their culture. Israel has no, and Christians have, we have no origin story for our God. Where did your God come from? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't come from. He just always has been. The, I'll give you a bonus word today, theogony. Theogony is the origin story of a God. So like, you guys know where Superman came from, right? Krypton, that's his origin story. He Krypton, his dad, Kal-El, I think was the dad, or Jor-El was the dad, Kal-El was Superman. Jor-El sent him to Earth, he landed in Kansas, and you guys know the story of Superman. Batman had an origin story. Batman's parents were mugged in an alleyway. Batman's name was Bruce Wayne. Bat- Bruce Wayne became a vigilante. He really had no superpowers. He just had money, which is a superpower. And that's how Batman got started. Spider-Man was bitten by a radioactive spider, right? That's their origin story. What's the origin story of Yahweh? Oh, there isn't one. We got an origin story for Zeus, we got an origin story for Marduk. We got an origin story for the Egyptian Pharaoh and Ra, the god of the sun. We don't have an origin story for Yahweh. That made them different. Our God has always been. He didn't come from anything. Israel, the church, has no theogony. We have no background <laughs> for where God came from. He's just always existed. Further, not only is the universe created by God, the universe is created out of nothing. God did not use existing materials or matter to create the world. He just created it out of nothing. Again, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and desolate. So he creates the earth. I don't know how he did it. I probably will never fully understand this, but he created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. He didn't use stuff, so that's unlike the other stories. He didn't have raw materials to work with. He just, out of nothing, became something. And he created the earth and the world out of nothing. And then, I, this is, I love this part, verse two. The earth was formless, was a formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. Verse 2, let me read this one more time, before, and then I'm going to ask you a question. The earth was formless, was a formless and desolate emptiness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Here's my question. How long do you think that lasted? What period of time does verse 2 account for? Because we have not started the creation week yet. Did, did verse 2 last 20 seconds or a billion years? For how long was the earth formless and void and a desolate emptiness? I don't know, but some people seem to think they know. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> so 
I don't know what amount of time verse 2 accounts for. It could have been the snap of a finger. It could have been 10 billion years. I don't know. Judy, any thoughts on this? (laughs) I'm, I'm on thin ice. I know. I feel it. I feel the tension. There's, I just, verse two humbles me. It makes me say, okay, I have my views. They are pretty standard, traditional Christian views, but I'm going to hold them with a little humility because I don't know how long verse two lasted. You know what I'm saying? So I believe what I believe. I could, I, I, I'm convinced from scripture. I feel like I've already understood the, the explanation and how it intersects with science enough to satisfy me individually, but I'm just going to be humble about it. Because verse 2, I don't know how long verse 2 lasted. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. Now we're kicking off the creation week. Does that make sense? So that's all I'm going to say about that, about timing. The universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus. This is, this is critical. John chapter 1, verse 3. This is how we understand that the world was created through Jesus. Jesus is the avenue through which God created the world. Verse 3 of John 1. All things came into being through him. Him being Jesus. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. All things came into being. How many things? Is there anything that came into being not through Jesus? Did he forget something? Did something slip through the cracks? All things were created by Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says essentially the same thing. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth. That's essentially saying both spiritual and physical, both spiritual and material, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There are not just laws that hold the universe together. There is a person that holds the universe together. He didn't just wind up a clock, set some parameters like an engineer, and leave He is actively involved in sustaining the universe. He didn't put the sun on a schedule. He raises the sun. There's a person who is sustaining creation, and that person is Jesus. The same one, by the way, that died for you. For by Jesus all things were created. There's a song by a musician named Jay Thomas, and the song is not about creation, but there's a line in the song that shifted my... It just helped me understand stuff that I couldn't understand before. And the line goes like this. Before you were creator, you were father. What he's saying in that line is, if you were a father before you were creator, then the son existed before creation. God, we call God the father, right? God the father, God the father, God the father. For how long has he been father? forever. You can't be a father without a child. If he has always been father, then there has always been a son, right? God didn't become 
God the Father. He's always been God the Father because there's always been God the Son and there's always been God the Spirit. He became creator when he created the earth, but he never became father. The Son has existed eternally, just as the Father has, just as the Spirit has. This is why I can't be Mormon. This is why I can't be Jehovah's Witness. That and also the good behavior, that part, they're too squeaky clean. But they would disagree with this, the eternal existence of Jesus. They would say Jesus was a created being. Jesus was not made. He was begotten. There's a difference. Jesus was begotten, not made. Jesus was incarnated, not created. If there's always been a father, then there has always been a son. Now, I found that, let me summarize the sentence one more time. The universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus. To me, that's what I believe about creation. I found that many Christians would rather argue about timing, timelines, how long this took. Like I said, I have pretty standard traditional views about that, um, but I don't think that that's what... I don't think that that's what Moses was trying to prove in Genesis 1. I don't think that's what John was trying to prove in John 1. I don't think that's what Paul was trying to prove in Colossians 1. I think what they were trying to say is it was Yahweh, not Apsu and Tiamat. It was Yahweh, not the Pharaoh. It was Yahweh, not Zeus or Cronus or Mother Gaia, but it was Yahweh who created the world, not not because they emerged from murky waters, but no, he created the world from nothing, which means he predates the world, and he did it through Jesus Christ. That the Father created the world through the Son, through Jesus. So therefore, Jesus has always existed. He did not start. Um, two, two ways that I would like to respond to that. One is very simple, and the other we're going to dedicate a little bit of time to. If we believe that our God created the world out of nothing through his son, Christians should probably be leading the way in how we steward creation. Christians should probably be leading the way in taking care of the earth. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in, in becoming like an environmentalist and hugging trees, and I'm definitely going to still eat animals because God wants me to. <laughs> Read Acts 11. There's a whole sheet. It, they say that a sheet was let down from heaven with animals on it. That's not a sheet. That is a t uh, tablecloth. <laughs> he says, Get, kill and eat. Yes, Lord. Who am I to not? So anyway, uh, getting off track here. The sermon is too casual. <laughs> so... I'm not suggesting that we need to necessarily adopt certain political views, but it seems so clear to me from Scripture, if we believe God created the earth, we should be taking care of it then. We, sh we should not be destroying his creation. We should not be tearing it down. We should not be polluting it. We should participate in cleaning it and restoring it. We should be, I mean, this is so simple. We should be picking up litter. We should be not littering. We should be cleaning. We should be doing whatever we can to make sure that 
air and water are breathable and drinkable. You understand what I'm saying? Like this actually, we should care about this, not because we vote this way or vote that way, but because we're stewards of God's creation. Uh, why do we, you wouldn't do this in your house, maybe you would, but we, sh- we shouldn't be doing this with his creation. But th- that's just something, I just want to throw that out there and acknowledge that. But really what I would like to respond to today is this. The God that created the whole world out of nothing, the God that spoke and invented light, the God that has always existed, the Son who has always existed, the Son who, though he was an all-knowing, all-present person of the Trinity, took on a human body with all the limitations of a human body, God through Jesus, decided, I'm going to know what hunger feels like. I'm going to know what splinters feel like. I'm going to know what a whip on my back feels like. I'm I'm going to feel sunburn. I'm going to fast and feel hunger and thirst. I'm going to go a couple sleepless nights and know what it is to be tired. The God of the universe is so humble that he said, I'm going to experience what they experience. I will take on the limitations that they have And we killed him for that. The God of the universe died for his creation. The creator sacrificed for his creation. That is not like the Babylonians. That is not like the Egyptians. That is not like Islam. That is not like any other religion. That the creator would take it upon himself to suffer on behalf of his creation. Only the story of Jesus teaches that. That's unique. So you can argue about isotopes and carbon dating. None of that moves my heart the way this moves my heart. None of that resonates with me as true and something I would give my life to than the the idea that the creator of the universe died for me. That my creator died for me. He sacrificed for me. He limited himself. And when he did that, I beat him, I whipped him, I crucified him, I denied him, I didn't believe him. That is the type of creator that I would follow. That story resonates with me. Now, listen, there are thousands of stories of how the universe came into being. Some of them are religious, some of them are straight up mythical, some claim to be based in science, As Christians, what we are saying is, yes, there may be a thousand stories, but we believe that this is the true one. This is the real one. I acknowledge that there are other religions, other cultures, other beliefs about how the world came into being. What we're saying as believers is, yes, but they can't all be right. We believe that this is the one that is true. Genesis 1 is not a science textbook. When my kids ask me where they came from, I say, because I'm a coward, I say, well, your mother and I loved each other very much. As an expression of our love, we wanted to share our love with the world, and that's where you came from. That is not a scientific explanation, is it? It's still true, though. Is that not true? There's no reference to embryos and zygotes, and I don't even know what those things are, actually. I think a zygote is a baby 
goat with a zebra. It's a zygote. Listen, Genesis 1 is true, but Genesis 1 doesn't address some of the things that maybe we have questions about. These are either mysteries or things we're just going to have to wait on to hear from the Lord. What the Bible is clear about is that the universe was created by God out of nothing through Jesus and that that creator died for his creation. When we take communion, what we're doing is acknowledging that not only did our Savior die for us, but our creator died for us. So I want to take communion this morning, but I want to add a layer to it. Everything about our Savior dying for us still stands. But we're adding an extra layer today. Our Savior is also our creator. He wasn't just another human being who behaved better than us. He actually breathed us into existence and then came and lived as one of us, became a substitute for us, died for us, and redeemed us. So in a moment, you're going to come up and take communion elements Um, Paul taught so clearly in 1 Corinthians 11 that the bread is Jesus' body which is broken for us and the cup is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for us. Before you come up and take these elements, you're going to come up and take them in a moment. You're going to return to your seat and we're going to just dedicate a little bit of time to self-examination as Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians 11. Every time we take communion, we're proclaiming Jesus' death. In this case today, we're proclaiming the death of Jesus, our Savior, and Jesus, our Creator. Romans chapter 1 says that creation itself demonstrates to us, explains to us, reveals to us the kind of God that Yahweh is. So when you see a beautiful sunset... That's because God loves beauty. When you're you're warmed by a sunrise, that's because God loves comfort. When you see the power of a storm rolling in, that's because God is powerful. So we, we see God's attributes even in creation. That's not to say that God is creation. God is above and independent from creation. Creation is like a a a taste and see of God's attributes. So we can appreciate that this week as we go about and interact with creation, but also remember that your neighbors are part of that creation. So are your family members, so are your brothers and sisters and your co-workers. They're created in the image of God, and that's actually what we're going to talk about next week is that when God created humanity, he created us in his image. But for this week, I just want to close in praying for us that as we go about our week, we'd be aware that we walk among God's creation that came out of nothing and came through Jesus. Jesus, there are reminders of you everywhere we go. God, you are not a tree. You are not in a tree, but you did create trees You are not a rock. You are not in the rock, but you did create the rock. And we can appreciate you as we move about your creation. We can learn about you. 
We can experience you in fresh ways. Help us to not become, uh, help us to not take that for granted. Become too familiar with the privilege of being part of your creation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. Um,